Hey, Keith, did you hear? Alien Nation is coming back after a movie and then becoming a series and a bunch of television movies. They're making yet another motion picture. You know, that's amazing. And it's really like this this groundswell of remakes of all those mismatched buddy cop comedies from the 80s. Yeah, I mean, you had uh, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon's back on television. Why not uh, bring back uh, Turner and Hooch? No, how about better? Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari bring back Bosom Buddies. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. The Counter Geek with Keith Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Can somebody tell me what the hell is going on? Geek Counter Geek number 67. I'm Keith Conrad. Over to my left is uh, Elliot Serrano. Sucking down yeah. a Coke Zero. Not uh, not over there. You're, you're not over, over there. You're just, there. just over to my left. Over there. Geek Counter Geek, now a part of the Radio Misfits podcast network. Joining such fan favorites as Garden State Radio, Minutia Men, and of course, Losano and Friends. Now, I believe if you're already a subscriber on iTunes, it won't change anything for you, but you never know. Technology being what it is, we'll get it figured out eventually. But the easiest way to find the podcast will always be radiomisfits.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at Geek Counter Geek and our new Facebook page, Geek Counter Geek, as well. You know, by, by the way, speaking of this alienation thing that we mentioned at the beginning here, so alienation was on for, it was a movie and then it was on for a season. 22 episodes. Never really caught on in the ratings. Well, it did okay. This was like when Fox was in the beginning of of becoming a you know the a uh, what you call a, a power I, I was going to say respectable network but Respect- no they're they're not respectable because remember back then I mean these days we think about uh, the uh, Fox uh, the Turner Network um, um, the U- UPN or the CW all these other networks but back it w- it was not that long ago when all you had was ABC NBC and CBS. PBS threw in from time to time? Well, you know, that was PBS before Downton Abbey. Way before Downton Abbey. Yeah. There's pretty much Nova and Sesame Street. That was about it. And wasn't Cosmos on? No, Cosmos was... Uh, no, Cosmos. I think Cosmos was, was Cosmos, a, a Yeah, but that wasn't very long. Either. That was a season as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was, that was designed to be a miniseries. Yeah. But then, you know, um, so when they were talking about the Fox Network, that was... People were like, Really? No, I mean, because when you think about it, uh, like in Chicago, uh, WFLD Channel 32, that was just pretty much the, the, the local network where they, they played nothing but yeah, your local television, which, again, started with the Fox network when that whole thing started up. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just all the syndicated programming, syndicated, syndicated and local programming <clears throat> until the Fox network was born and people thought it was ridiculous. And I remember even... That's when X-Files started. Married with children. Mm. Well, X-Files was... Well, well, uh, I mean, I'm, Fox was pretty solidly established by well, the great. time X-Files started. Came I, a little later, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But Married with Children was one of the... The Tracy Ullman show was one, uh, a right. big thing then, too. And the, the Simpsons being on there. Simpsons started on the Tracy Ullman show. Fox, yeah, then later on X-Files and The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. God, I miss that show. I remember that, that, that one then... 
That was the one where uh, I remember Robert Feeder said that was the show that was the breakout show that Fox was creating at that point because it was a Western appeal to folks like if you like the wild, wild west, you know, that that old show. Um, But it was a comedy. It was a comedy. But that was going to be the breakout show. And Bruce Campbell, who starred as the titular character, um, what is going to be the next big hit? He said then that. X Files would be a cult show at best. <laughs> Can't a cult following it. <laughs> wow, <Yeah>. Robert. <laughs> well, I guess Robert hasn't hasn't been right about everything. Has Not he? about everything, right? No, but so, you know, I I when I saw this news, I immediately thought this is completely outrageous. When are they going to listen to the if this show that was only twenty two episodes, you know, just one season, can get a reboot? When in the Sam Hell is the Quantum Leap reboot going to happen? Ugh, don't even start. Don't start me on that. You know, it's like I'm, <laughs> I'm beginning to think they, you know, Scott Bakula and Donald P. Belisario, they don't want to go back to Quantum Leap. They just want to leave it. They're tired of it. They don't. They're never going to go back to it again. Oh, now, now, if I were, if I were them, I wouldn't. I would, I would expect that there would be a whole new crop of people involved in it. Uh, possibly, but you'd want the because I remember, uh, I can't remember if I spoke about this on a previous epi- on a previous uh, podcast, but uh, I went back and started watching Quantum Leap on Netflix because the whole series is on Netflix now, and because I was feeling somewhat self. I, I wanted to torture myself, okay? Oh, oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah. yeah. I decided to watch the very last episode of Quantum Leap. Oh, that was a mistake. I forgot how utterly dismayed I felt at the end of that episode. I just plain forgot. When they put up the Poochie died on his way to his home planet uh, <laughs> placard at the end. Yep. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So, you know, the fact that, that Scott Bakula has already said that, he you know, in his mind, uh, Sam Beckett is still out there leaping through time, trying to make things right again. And and, and, and by the way, does Sam Beckett age while he's uh, jumping oh yeah, from time no, to he time? He ages, yeah. He ages. Um, they, they established that in, the, um, in that final episode. Uh, and, um, and Donald P. Belisario has not made any sort of mention of doing that or getting back to it or whatever he's been busy with all the um, um the um C- uh, not csi the um ncis ncis you know new orleans uh, ncis and then and then you're gonna have like ncis uh poughkeepsie poughkeepsie ncis uh, las vegas uh, i think there is an ncis Las. well actually uh, there couldn't be an ncis las vegas because it's the navy well, and there's, oh, no, there's water no water in Las Vegas. Uh, NCIS. How about uh, and well, there is an NCIS Los Angeles. That one we know. Yeah, that's yeah. one with um, um, LL Cool J and um, and Edna, Edna Mode from The Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, at some point, he's got to go. Okay, let's throw the Quantum Leap fans a bone. Come on, <laughs> if if he can say, look, if they're bringing Alien Nation back for a movie, we can do a Quantum Leap movie. You know. Because let's face it, Dean Stockwell's not getting younger. He's not. You know, if you want to bring back the whole crew, yeah, still. Although you don't. At the end of the Quantum Leap series, though, um, that character has kind of been. You know, he's on a different timeline now. So the way it ends is that the um, um, they never meet. 
So Sam Beckett never meets. Um, I'm drawing a blank on Dean Stockwell's uh, Ziggy character. Ziggy was the computer. Ziggy was the computer. Gushy um, was the, the guy who ran the thing, who had the yeah. bad breath. And then... Um, <clears throat> Al. Al. I don't think he... Oh, no, he definitely had a last name. Yeah. But Al um, ends up staying with his wife, who thought he died in the war. Right. So that means his timeline has been altered, so he never goes to work on the Quantum Leap project. Yeah, because uh, at one point he actually becomes Al. Right. So, and that, that's the whole thing where he had to, like, fix that. And he knew that if he altered Al's timeline, everything would be changed after that. So now that I think about it, you don't need the, you don't have to have Dean Stockwell. But it'd be nice to have him do, like, a, a, a cameo, you know, see how Al's doing. Although, uh, uh, Dean Stockwell and um, Scott Bakula have been reunited on NCIS New Orleans. So, if you wanted that Quantum Leap reunion, there it was. He's uh, Admiral Al Calavici. Calavici. That's, his, uh, That's right. It, it's been so long since I've seen that 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 episode. Does he have like a new person who pops up? No, because because he changes. Uh, so he changes Al's right history. But it happens at the very very end of the episode. It's like the very last thing he does before he leaps again, in you know leaps into the time stream, and then we never see him again. Which again, yeah, it's kind of confusing. Yeah, no, also, but also an utter gut punch, because right. you think, you think he's going to leap home, you know, because it's the whole bit where um, he's saying, you know, he needs the, he discovers that the whole reason he's leaping through time is he's doing it to himself, but he won't accept it. The bartender at that 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 Pittsburgh Minor Bar is telling him D Day. Yeah, he's telling him, hey, this is, um, you're doing this to yourself, but, but Sam won't accept it. And then. Just, just, just remember the guy who plays, you know, God in, uh, in the last episode of Quantum Leap. That's D Day from Animal House. That, that's right, yeah. Although, no, he does ask us, are you God? And he laughs. So he oh, doesn't okay. really think he's yeah. God, but, you know, people think that's what he is. I, I just always assumed that he was. He was. And, well, that's like the. But that was also Donald P. Belisario's like kind of rib at folks who say that the whole quantum leap experience was was because of God, you know that God was doing this. You know, again, we're getting quasi-religious or whatever. Kind of like you know, Starbuck is an angel in Battlestar Galactica. Starbuck was an angel in Battlestar Galactica. I saw her at Dragon Con. She said she was. Oh, okay. Well, then there. Oh, God. Anyway. I'm glad I wasn't there. <laughs> but then, you know, so uh, Sam then, you know, won't accept it. And then, but then when he leaps into, again, the quantum time stream, you, again, yeah, the Poochie died on his way home. It's sort of like it broke a rule of storytelling, which is um, if you're going to have a character go through an arc, you have to, you have to give it kind of that end that define the end part of me would wanted to believe is because Belisario said we're going to come back to this and we're going to resolve it but now considering the apparent resistance they have to even revisiting it it's like I think he's just pissed he's just angry about it and he's just going to take it to the grave yeah you know maybe he he wanted to he wanted he was mad that it was getting canceled and he just wanted fans to be as mad as he was that that it was getting canceled mission accomplished because yeah he was mad and that was the whole thing it was like that was the episode 
you know, it seemed they set up a cliffhanger, but he then he said, no, no, this is res- this resolves it and bullshit, bullshit. And then I won't even get into the whole thing how NBC kept um, um, the promotional department obviously didn't know how the story was going to end because they kept saying this is Sam's final leap. You yeah. Know? And you kept thinking this is the one where he's finally going home and he never does. Yeah, because if you were if you were watching that show, especially the way it was promoted, you kept waiting for that moment where he was going to leap home, mm-hmm. and he just never did. And then they they put up the thing. Yeah, he never went home. Never went home. So Pucci died on his way to his home planet. Pretty. But so then you watch it now on um, on on Netflix, and you sit and you go, you know, with Quantum Leap being what it was, um, you you see it if you watch it from the early episodes to the later episodes, you see how the show really kind of changed and evolved over time. The special effects get better. Um, but you know Scott Bakula essentially has to carry every episode. Some of the scripts are kind of you know, you know uneven. What what each it, each um, time period is. It, 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 he it seems like he was constantly in the same time period all the time. Yeah, you know, for something where you could. Well, yeah, I was and, trying to appeal to baby boomers. Baby boomers, right? Um, and then um, you know. And then there's there's some episodes that hold up really well and some not so much. Now, I remember really liking the JFK episode story arc. I think it was I don't think it was a cliffhanger. I think it was just a two part episode. Yes, two parter. That was Belisario's own. Well, he said it was his answer to the movie JFK because he said when he was in the army, he knew Oswald and he and, and he thought I mean to him in his own mind he believes that Lee Harvey Oswald shot JFK and acted alone and mm-hmm. did what he did and that's why he wrote that particular episode you know to kind of like go into the whole thing about it so it was kind of his own um, answer to the 9/11 truthers <laughs> anyway because that's what it is these days it's like now we have you have your remember when being a JFK conspiracy theorist made you kind of nutty, and now it's like that is really the least, most least crazy, crazy, yeah. yeah bit between that and like the moon landings and stuff, which you know you'll get punched by an astronaut, if right? You, if you and and rightfully so, rightfully so. But I'm saying right now a JFK assassination theorist is the yeah right is probably the most sensible out of yeah, all of them. The, it's baseline crazy, baseline. You know now then because now we've gone on the 9/11 truthers we've I, I wonder to, if uh, if the JFK thing if that's gonna get bigger as more time passes or if people are just gonna be people are gonna be more accepting of the fact that yeah you know the really at that point in time you know now you couldn't do that because I mean they they've they you know they they've changed the way that they do things so that the president would never be in a position where you could do that but back then he, the president was, and the only way you could do that is if there was one person. Because mm-hmm. if you have more than one person involved, that's a lot of moving parts, and somebody's going to get caught. Yeah, you can't keep a secret like that. But it's impossible. if it's one person saying, oh, I'm going to do this, you know. A lone wolf? Yeah, that then yeah. that can happen. That's, yeah. why, that's why people worry about lone wolf uh, terrorists, right. because that's, you know, if it's one person... And they're just, you know, keeping the whole thing to themselves. It's more likely to, to go off. That makes that makes perfect sense. So uh, right now, that's why 
I just get annoyed with yeah. The, like like nobody stuff. nobody looks at. I'll, I'll bet at the time there was probably Lincoln conspiracy theories, um, <laughs> and, and you know now everybody just okay yeah it was John Wilkes Booth. That's Wilkes Booth. Of course there was a theater full of people who literally saw John Wilkes Booth shoot him. Yeah, but. And, you know, I bet there were still conspiracy theorists. And they and they will also say that we also know now that it wasn't the bullet that killed Lincoln. It was the doctors who didn't know how to treat the bullet and like made things worse by by doing some really bad surgery, uh, getting the bullet out. <laughs> Which yeah. was also the case with uh, George Washington, where right. they just they said, "You're sick. Oh well, let's have you bleed for a while and see what happens." <laughs> yep. And that's why George Washington died. Right. That was after he was president, but right. uh, yeah, I'd, 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 that would be interesting to research if there were Lincoln conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Uh, there, there. I know there are people who believe that uh, John Wilkes Booth survived. Whatever happened to John Wilkes Booth? You know what I'm telling you. I'm, I'm kind of like, I never cared enough to find out what happened to John Wilkes Booth. All I know he did, he did get out of the theater. He no, he got out of the theater. Yeah. He was caught a couple days later. later right, yeah. um, and then um, so uh, why is it so hard to believe that it's just one guy? I mean, come on, Hinckley acted alone. Yeah, and and it, that's why he was able yeah. to do it. Was no one, because yeah. no one ever talks um, about a conspiracy theory for for John uh, for John Hinckley with Reagan. Yeah, because it was it was one guy who found the the fifteen seconds where you could actually. Like get a clear view of the president mm-hmm. while he was walking from a hotel into the limo, mm-hmm. and he didn't. You know, there was nobody else to blow the whistle on him, mm-hmm. so he was he was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Now it shows how difficult they've made it to assassinate a president, which is obviously a, a, a good. It's thing. actually a good thing. Yes, um, I do not want this podcast to be the how to assassinate a president podcast. No, it, <laughs> that, that, that literally there's this one, you know, like 15 second period where the president is actually in a position where maybe somebody could take a shot at him and they weren't able to do they it. They weren't able to. Right. Yeah. Well, they were able to hit him, but but not able to. Uh, to well, it's because he probably didn't like think it through that much. Yeah. Well, that that's that's the good thing about crazy people is they don't think clearly. You know, like like you or I might look at that situation and say, oh, here's how you would do it. But neither of us would actually be crazy enough to do it. Whereas if you were to actually be crazy enough to do it, you wouldn't be thinking clearly enough to do it well. Well, but they make it look so easy, like on television, you know, like these assassins with guns. <laughs> they, make it, they make it look easy. He's the Ken Griffey Jr. of, <laughs> of taking shots yeah, at people. Yeah, come on. Deadshot in, 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 in uh, Suicide Squad, you know, is taking out mobsters. And, and you always hear, you always see those movies, you know, where, where the, the, the former, uh, you know, Middle Eastern sniper, you know, he sets up his... His gun, like on a skyscraper a mile away, but he's or, got uh, the Jack Reacher. The yeah, uh, Reach, yeah, yeah, Jack Reacher can do that. Come on, you know, Hollywood, you're making <laughs> you're making us think this sort of stuff is easy to do. Uh. <laughs> so uh. get this is one of the better sidetracks we've ever gone on. I think we, it is. Yeah, yeah, we started talking about quantum leap and went into presidential assassinations. <laughs> Oh, because of the JFK episode. Right. Like, and we're totally we ending here? up on somebody's oh, watch yeah. list so, because so, of this. Okay. So by next week, 
I'll find out if there's actually if there was at any point any JF or um, uh, Abraham Lincoln conspiracy, conspiracy theories that you know the the stagehands were all in on it. Um, I I don't think so. I I know that there was a planned conspiracy that they were actually going to try to uh, they're going to try to get Johnson, uh, you know, the vice president and uh, the secretary of war that they were going to try to actually kill a whole bunch of people all at once and completely decapitate the government. But because you had a whole bunch of people involved, it didn't work. Didn't work. Right. Yeah. So what about Area 41? Have you figured that one out yet? Uh, I haven't. The, you know, the only no, thing I know is that... Area 41 or 51? Area 51. 51. The, only, the only thing I know is that, um, uh, you know, my, my dad, when I was growing up, worked on a, a ton of uh, top secret stuff. You know, so I never really... Never really knew what uh, what he was working on. It, the stuff that I did know about was really cool, like you know the stealth bomber and things mm-hmm. like that. But uh, um, one time, one time we were watching a, uh, a documentary on Area Fifty One, and like right before then, he had said something about uh, you know, oh yeah, the, all the people live in Las Vegas and they go to the airport and take a plane into Area Fifty One and back every day. And sure enough, then like five seconds later, on the uh, on the documentary. Uh, they say, yeah, everybody lives in Las Vegas, and they take a, an unmarked airplane into Area 51 and back every day. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> Is he one day going to say he worked at Area 51? <laughs> well, you know, your dad yeah. seems to know a lot of stuff. Yeah, I knew a guy who, who worked <laughs> at Area 51. I, I don't think he did, though. I, I think I would have found out if he was making trips to Las Vegas. He, mm-hmm. Yeah. He, we never lived there, so I, th- I think that would have stood out. Mm. Yeah, never know. Yeah, you never know. Vacations he went on. So, um, Mel Gibson went on a crazy rant this week, and it's one I think maybe we can all get behind. That that can I tell you something? Talking about crazy and segueing into Mel Gibson, that is probably the best segue we've ever had <laughs> on this podcast. This is the conspiracy <laughs> theory episode. <laughs> um. So he was talking about because uh, because he's 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 done this uh, this this new movie um, Hacksaw Ridge I believe it's mm-hmm. it's called which I, they say Mel Gibson's back yeah it that looks it looks yeah. really good like if I um, um, well I mean I don't think it's a stretch to say the guy's a good director I can I and I know Mel Gibson has. Um, Okay, Mel Gibson's done some pretty crappy stuff. Okay, yeah, he said some crappy stuff. He's done some crappy stuff. He clearly has some anger issues. He has some issues, and he's admitted it. A- admitted to it as well. Okay, um, but as, as a quick aside, I don't see why with Mel Gibson we're like, oh, this guy's toxic. People can't work with him, and yet Woody Allen gets a pass in many cases. So anyway, oh, that's a good point. You know. So, but yeah. what? Uh, so, yeah. But um, Mel Gibson is, yeah, he's a very good storyteller. He's a very good director. Um, he may be crazy, but damn it, he knows story structure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so, so this movie is about um, the first uh, conscientious objector who won the, uh, I think it was the Medal of Honor. And uh, he was he was a guy who I'm not sure if he he was drafted or enlisted in World War II. But uh, once he was in, he said, I'm not touching a gun. And basically they said, okay, we're, we're still going to send you into battle, but you're just not going to have a gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ended up rescuing, you know, dozens of people. And he, 
he he definitely pulled his weight despite uh, despite never firing a weapon. It seems to me that um, and that that, that seems very uh, again applicable to current times. You know, when you think about how our nation, we talk so much about personal freedom, and we want to avoid. We don't want a, t- a tyrannical government. Yeah, I say that all the time. Say all the, yeah. I, but I'm like, I have yet to see in my 40 plus years of life, the government itself actually be tyrannical. I have seen plenty of citizenry, you know, kind of be close to tyrannical because like if you don't fall in line with what we expect of you, I mean, let's look at the, the Colin Kaepernick stuff that's going on with um, him protesting by kneeling during the national anthem and people are just getting downright angry about him. Mm-hmm. These are the same people who say, well, the government shouldn't be able to tell me to do this, that and the other. The government has no rights over me and I have my own personal freedom. And yet they're saying you need to stand during the national anthem. Yeah. I'm like, well, I, the thing that I don't, my frustration with the Colin Kaepernick thing is I totally, I, I get the point he's trying to make, but nobody's talking about the point he's trying to make. That's Everybody's the problem. talking about whether or not he's standing for the national anthem. Right. And but that, that's on him. Well, you know, could, there, there's plenty of things that he could do as an NFL player. Like? You know, to, to influence the situation. Like? You know, start a foundation to maybe. He's giving money. Right. Right. And, and he is. But, but that's, this is distracting from that. Okay. When do you talk about it? Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. No. When do you when do you talk about the issues then? See, well, to me, it's like why why protest when it's convenient? That that that's true. But it, what, what? My other question well, is: it, it doesn't it doesn't matter if people are talking about, you know, like if Colin Kaepernick is, is starting a, you know, let's say he starts a charitable charitable organization to try mm-hmm. to get the good cops together with the good people and mm-hmm. and, you know, reconcile that situation. It doesn't matter if he's getting attention for it or not. Yeah, you but know. you want to draw attention to the cal- to the to the particular issue. So to me, it's like the whole bit with, you know, if I want to say, I don't agree with war, right? Right. It's very easy, and for- I and I don't know that there, are, you know, okay, there are probably a few, but I don't know that there are all that many people who go, yeah, I agree with war. Well, there are plenty of folks who do. I mean, there are people who are going, well, no, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need yeah. to send troops there, and we need to go in and straighten that out. And Donald Trump says he's going to wipe out ISIS, and and the way, what's the plan? Give me, give my generals no. thirty days to come up with a plan, and we'll figure it out. I'm like, you know, but yeah, but <laughs> so his plan is, we'll have a plan. Yeah, the plan is we're going to come up with a plan. But that, that's vote for should, me. Right. I'm going to come up with a plan. Yeah, and how many people want to get behind that and say I want to do that? So then, being the opposing voice to that, you know, how do you call attention to the fact that you don't agree with going to war in World War II? I mean, let's face it, there there are a lot of folks who didn't agree with joining the Allies in World War II. Well, especially right, uh, you know, I think once Pearl Harbor happened, everything was going in that direction right. anyway. That, but before Pearl Harbor. Everything was going the other way. Yeah. No one wanted I mean, to get it was, involved. It was yeah. like 70, 80% against getting involved in, right. in the war in Europe. And probably close to 90% um, against getting in in the war in, in China, you know, with, with uh, you know, getting in Japan. I mean, right. we, we stopped sending our oil to Japan because of what they were doing in China. And that was viewed as, as being too much by a lot of people. Right. Um so 
yeah, but but at once Pearl Harbor happens, yeah, you can't get a more much more unpopular position than I'm against World War Two. So that's when the nationalism starts. And then and the, so how do you draw attention to the fact that you think that that's wrong? I mean, I can say I'm not going to enlist. Well, and, or, or, and I think that's sort of, you know, like what, what I was saying with uh, with Kaepernick is, OK, you do what, what, what you can do as far as, you know, maybe you start a charitable effort to bring people together. And it doesn't matter what you're, you know, what sort of attention you're getting to it as long as you're doing your part where you can. Um this is, you know, in this story, it's it's one guy who's who's doing what he thought that he could, you know, to be true to his own beliefs, and was and was ostracized for it. He was, but eventually they eventually people uh, right because eventually people warmed people, up to him. Right, <laughs> people are starting to warm up to Colin Kaepernick too. Like his his jersey is suddenly selling through the roof now. Well, you know, yeah. How, <laughs> I, you know when I when I saw that headline, I don't, maybe it just makes me a bad person. But I was thinking, how many people are buying that jersey to burn, to burn it? it? Right. I'm like uh, speaking of warming up to them. Oh, although that, that, those are expensive jerseys. That you're, it, you know what? If if you're actually you know you talk about Colin Kaepernick's dedication to his cause. If you're actually willing to plop down the amount of money necessary to buy an NFL jersey <laughs> just to burn it. You're you're a true believer, my friend. You, no nobody can no, nobody can question your dedication. So when Mel Gibson does the movie about Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> oh, I, which I'm sure he will, I'm sure that's his next project. <laughs> when, when, when he wins an Oscar for Hacksaw, what? Which no, that's not going to happen. Doesn't no. doesn't matter how good the movie is, how how um, you know, how well received it is, what the subject matter is. He's not getting an Oscar for that. Oh, but it's too bad. But he is going to get a lot of acclaim for it, and it is a nice uh, is a nice return for Sam Worthington because he he fell off the face of the planet for a little while. Good golly! Well, you know he got a few paychecks. It, so. Like, have you seen who's in this movie? It's it's uh, so Andrew Garfield is in it, obviously. Um, who looks like in every shot in the trailer, it looks like he's about to start crying. <laughs> uh, Vince Vaughn is in it. And Sam Worthington. <laughs> Wait, so Andrew Garfield looks like he's going to cry. Vince Vaughn looks like he's going to tell Andrew Garfield, shut up, you baby. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And Sam Worthington is just sort of looking at him like, are you nuts? <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if that's what the... if. That's what the movie is going to be like, but that's the impression you get from the from the trailer. From the trailer, I've I've not seen the trailers or anything yet. All I know is I have heard a lot of positive about it. Yeah, and 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 again, it seems like if anything, if a movie like this can get people to kind of just step back a bit and go, okay, let's let's start really thinking about why people do things and just not get angry all the time yeah. and call them un-American and how dare you not stand for the national anthem. When everyone knows, that's when you get your beer. Well, my my sister-in-law was uh, we were we were at Dragon Con, and that came up on on the news, and she's like, "Is that still in the news? What what does it matter if he's standing? Still, yeah, who cares? who cares? Apparently, people who love America, and if you don't love America that way, then sorry, then you can't be part of America." And and what's funny is you know people who are saying oh he just wants people to talk about it. he's just looking for attention 
in a negative way. Like we, negative we've way. already said, he's trying to get attention. Well, for, even, for even cost, if he is but, getting attention, for attention, um, I think he's drawing drawing um, um, drawing who, attention to the but, issue. But people who are saying that, who are literally spending all their time being outraged about the fact that he's not standing. If you if you say he's just trying to get attention, then just don't pay attention to him, and it'll be like the right. uh, if if he really is just trying to get attention. If then he, he'll just go away like the insulting. monsters in the uh, in the Simpsons, you know, the big advertisements. Ah, just yes. Don't look. Just don't look. Wait, just don't look. I tried that with don't, Trump. Don't. It didn't work. Uh, so he just got angrier. Yeah. So, he, so the, wait, he was dangling a giant donut in front of you, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a long way to go to say uh, Mel Gibson was giving an interview about uh, Hacksaw Ridge. And uh, he was talking about how. He, he filmed the whole thing in Australia for $30 million. And there is, there, there's plenty of special effects in it, but it's not, you know, because you, you got you to gotta get some CGI in there to, to recreate World War II, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's not really special effects driven, you know. And yet he was able to do it for $30 million. Uh, Apocalypto was about $30 million. Right. And the, I believe the Passion of the Christ was in the same ballpark. Yeah. And he said, so he ba- he basically said, so, you know, these are these are movies that people generally think are, are pretty good. And they were for $30 million. And yet they spend $180 million on Batman versus Superman. And it's horrible. You know, everybody agrees it's just awful. What, what's the freshness rating on that one? I think, you know, like 30% or something like that. Batman versus Fresh Superman? Versus yeah, Superman. yeah, it's something like that. Um, the thing, too, I mean, that gets into the issue of when you have a movie, the movie is not made by the budget. It's really made by the story and the script. And and the reality is is that something like uh, Batman versus Superman, is it's unfortunately a more complicated script. And when you can't get all your studio folks together to agree on what the story is going to be. And you have Ben Affleck who reportedly had his own issues with the script. So that's why he brings on his writer from Argo on board to do some script polishing and fix some things and, and, and do that while Zack Snyder's busy setting up his shots. Yeah. I, I suspect like the, like the, the writing process of that is uh, we want doomsday to show up and, you know, blow some crap up mm-hmm. and we want the bat wing to to mm-hmm. show up and do this mm-hmm. rather than actually spending any time on what the story's going to be story. but then and then on the other hand you have mel gibson who goes in with a very singular idea it's his movie it's his project he knows this is what the story is going to be this is how they're going to pull it off and and then you do it and, and you don't see anybody like talking in mel gibson's ear hey we need to do this we're giving you script notes so on and so forth there may very well be voices in his head <laughs> but not not the same kind not like that and and he's paying for it pretty much with his own money right you now so it, it that's one of the benefits of doing your own production bit um that so yeah but he makes a really good point because you know like like i just said he he's recreating battles in world war ii there's special effects involved with that, but he still did it for thirty million dollars, and I don't think anybody's going to go, oh, yeah. Nobody's going to be talking about the special effects. Right. They're going to be talking about the story. Well, he also did it. I mean, we're right now. I guess Australia is one of those great 
areas now, you know, great countries where you get those tax breaks and you can, you know, the the, the, the American dollar goes way further in Australia than, than, than in other countries. So it's Australia and New Zealand. New Zealand is really big for movie production now, too. I mean, ever since Peter Jackson got Weta Studios and he did all those Hobbit movies and all that, suddenly everybody's going down to New Zealand to make films. Like the Ash vs. Evil Dead series is done in New Zealand, Mm -hmm. of all places. Oh, But then again, that's where um, like Xena and all those shows, too, were, were taking place back in the day. So yeah, I mean mo- most uh, most series, you know, late '90s, early aughts, they were either in, you know, New Zealand or Toron- Vancouver, yeah. Vancouver, and Tor- yeah, Vancouver, Toronto, up in Canada, because they had this kind of the skylines, but they were sitting in for standing in for New York and other towns. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I got to give, I'll give you know Mel Gibson props that. I outside of the last Expendables movie, <laughs> he he was in it. He didn't he didn't direct it, and but he did give a, a fairly decent performance in it. You know, he doesn't make crappy movies. He makes in really interesting projects. I mean, Apocalypto was really just it was a, a really mind bending thing. It's like whoa. This is a world I've never seen, and it's yeah, like in this yeah. foreign language, and and you know an old language that no one speaks anymore. Uh, even the Passion of the Christ, where so many people gave, you know, they were talking about the 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 quote unquote spiritual aspect of it, but it wasn't, you know, to me it it, it really did give an idea of of really how brutal it was to go to live in that time, you know. Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a different. You know, I, I think that in most depictions of that story, it's very idealized. And mm-hmm. this was, I, I hate to say it, but more gritty and realistic. Gritty. Gr- yeah. Grim dark. Yeah. Grim, grim dark. dark Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only one that even came close would have been um, 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 uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, Scorsese's yeah. a movie, which was also very, you know, it kind of, you know was more set in that time and not in the the Cecil B. DeMille version of the Bible that everyone seems to think about, you know, the biblical times. So he goes in with a very specific vision of what he wants the movie to be and what he wants it to look like. He has a theme and and he can roll with it. And $30 million, the the only thing that I can see the disadvantage to something um, like that is, and it's more because it is a Mel Gibson movie, and unfortunately, people still consider him somewhat untouchable. No one wants to, you know, outside of Jodie Foster, nobody really wants to work with him, um, or, or Richard Donner. Um, is a you can't get a public publicity machine behind it. You can't get a PR company. Yeah, like to start. the 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 trailer hasn't been around enough. That, you know, you haven't seen it yet. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. So and then that's what what the half of the budget for Batman versus Superman was it was all promotion it was all you know product placements and stuff like that coming up with the cereals and the soda cans and and the in the product and you know the t-shirts and all that um you know you're not going to see you know t-shirts and soda cans <laughs> set up Mel Gibson ba- based on the uh the and now the conscientious objector happy mail <laughs> It's it's all it's gluten free and vegan. Of of course, yeah. <laughs> it uh, <laughs> and then uh, it, it will be interesting to see that movie just because I want to know if Andrew Garfield really is 
crying throughout the entire movie because it, it seems like he is. Well, apparently they told him that um, his role as Spider-Man had been recast. Oh, yeah. That was literally as he was learning as that. He, he was, you know, they were between movies and he's saying, okay, I'm going to go to Australia. I'm going to do this, uh, you know, this this low budget indie movie while we're between movies. Between Spider-Man and, movies. And then suddenly he's in his trailer and he learns, oh, there's a new, uh, there's a new Spider-Man. He's going to be in, uh, in Captain America Civil War. And the, the message was delivered by Emma Stone. I, I hope so, yeah. yeah. So it, it's an interesting juxtaposition because when he was saying that, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a troublemaker, I'm a rabble rouser. So when I saw that headline, I'm thinking, yeah, but you made the Patriot. And <laughs> not to be unpatriotic, um, you know, because I, I actually. Look, if you didn't like the Patriot, you're un-American and you need to leave. Uh, well, I I really like, you know, really, I think anything they can do on the. I, th- I think the Revolutionary War is sort of underexplored in pop culture. And I think that they tend to, you know, writers and directors and everything, they tend to avoid it because they think everybody knows it. But I think it, it needs sort of, a, you know, a fresh look. And um, so, like, I really like the idea of The Patriot because it explores that time. And, uh, oh, Adam Baldwin is in it. <laughs> um, but. Was he, was he telling people that they're un-American as well and they need to get out? <laughs> he, was a, he was a Tory in that, which oh, is just Tory? funny. Oh, I was going to say, was he, was he telling women on social media that they're not true gamers? Or... <laughs> I'm sorry, the wrong uh, time period. <laughs> which, what I, you know, I saw a panel that Adam Baldwin was at a Dragon Con. Now that I think about it, I wish I would have said, "Hey, this is totally off topic," but wasn't it kind of funny for you of all people to play a Tory in a movie about the Revolutionary <laughs> War? Like, did they was that was that messing with you at all? Um, but uh, so, like, that was a movie where when it came out, I thought, "Oh, this is really good." You know, it's a good, good. You know, fairly realistic depiction of the Revolutionary War. Uh, I hated the, I hated what they did with slavery at the very beginning, because this is a guy who owns a plantation in South Carolina, and you can sort of tell what their mindset was. It's like, well, we can't have this guy owning slaves because he's the main character in this movie. So they said, oh yeah, they just they just work for him. They just live there and work for him. Like this is the one guy in South Carolina. Who says, yeah, hey, just come live with me and work with me. <laughs> You're not slaves. You can leave, go whatever you want. Just, 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 you know, just come work on my, on my farm. Well, they stay because you're, they're... You're free people, but you know, yeah. just come work on my farm. Well, they're just afraid of the angry voicemails he's going to leave them if they, if they leave. Yeah, so, so I didn't, you know, like I, I felt like they, they really glossed but that, that's, that over by it. But, yeah, but that's... You know, it's one thing to have to say... Okay, this is a guy who owns a very small farm that only his family works on. Like that, I mm-hmm. totally buy. That totally existed in in that that time period. Um, the thing that they're trying to lay out here that oh, he had free black people who just decided to work on his farm that never existed anywhere. No, you no. you could not find that anywhere. In South Carolina in 1776, and that really bothered me. But um, uh, that movie was totally ruined for me when I was 
I, I read an article somewhere, I forget, it was years later, where uh, they were talking about the fact that Harrison Ford was supposed to be in The Patriot. Like, that, that was who they wanted to cast in the lead role. And he's, he wouldn't do it um, because he said that um, you're basically saying, you know, your main character is saying, hey, freedom and independence isn't worth fighting for. Oh, but when you kill my couple, my, my two kids, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go ahead and join the revolution now. They so missed out on a, on, a, on a classic scene. I mean, I can imagine Harrison Ford killing a redcoat. And just as he drives a bayonet through his heart, he goes, "Get out of my country." It could have been, it could have been a legendary thing. It could have been the "Get out of my blank" trilogy, because <laughs> you would have had, uh, you know, um, uh, Air Force One, "Get out of my plane," um, "Clear and Present Danger," "Get out of the Oval Office," and "Get out of my country." Out of my country, and then. Then later on, you know, when he's doing indie films, you know, he's the dad trying to shave and the kids are bothering, bothering him. Get out of my bathroom. Or, uh, you know, he's the, working in a 7-Eleven, you know, trying to make ends meet. Get out of my convenience store. You know, some kid. And then, uh, or, or better yet, you know, he's driving Callista Flockhart home and they've just had a fight. Get out of my car. <laughs> The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you.